0: Justin and Kayla and we have so many movies to talk to you about this week Kayla
1: we really do um so many things have been coming out I'm sure we'll have a discussion next week about are the movies back baby but I for one have been going to the movies a lot and actually that's pretty regular for me but I feel like the movies that I'm excited to see have been bigger and bigger where I'm like I can't wait to get tickets for this film And one of those films is the Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning that's out in theaters now. And it really just kind of inspired a maybe rewatch for some of us. First time watch, definitely for me, for all of the Mission Impossible movies. So I thought it'd be cool to have a whole episode dedicated to the franchise and what we thought of the new film. And here we are today.
0: Yeah, I am... So with you. I've been going to the movies a ton recently. I think I've seen four movies the last couple weeks. A couple by myself. Don't shame. A nice movie by yourself. Sometimes you just need it. It's nice. How often are you really talking during the movie anyway? You should have ever. Let me sit in peace.
1: You should have ever, people, by the way. You should have ever, so... Okay, good. Says stuff. Kayla,
0: who occasionally talks in movies over so
1: there. So one time you you made that comment, I think actually in a friendship question, and I really challenged myself not to say a word, and I found you, good sir, turning to me in those moments, and I said not a word, but I just said to myself, "You too, you too, Justin."
0: <laughs> I can't help myself, Kayla. It's just no. Yeah. Uh, I don't talk loudly, but I will occasionally be like, "Oh my God, did you see that?" and <laughs>
1: that's, that's, it, that's all you say actually that's we all will say. watch every time we watch a scene in <laughs> the movies justin turns and goes, did you see that like <laughs> oh yes just i did oh great stuff
0: well sometimes like uh in uh barbenheimer which we will be talking about later on probably next, next week. week on this podcast sometimes my wife just she's confused about what's going on so i got to give her a little oh this just happened so be ready and she's like oh that now makes more sense so, yeah. I, basically, I'm mansplaining when I probably don't have to in movies. So, I need to be better. Okay, I'll be better guys.
1: I, I love where this ended up. So, good Kennergy there. Um, all right. So, let's talk about these films because there are seven films in total. And that's including the new Dead Reckoning. Um, when did you first watch these films? Was it in preparation for number seven or was it, I guess all your life or when the first came out in 96? Most
0: of them was in preparation for number seven. So I saw, I think the first, first two or three when I was younger, closer to when they came out, but they were so long ago that I remembered very little besides some of the kind of the major scenes, you know? So I did like you Kayla, I did a watch all the way through one through six in about three days time to prepare For seeing Dead Reckoning 7, which was a lot of fun for me, not as much fun for my wife. And just as a funny side note, her and her sister were over here a few times and caught I think the last 20 minutes of like three of the Mission Impossible movies, like they'd show up when I have 20 minutes left. So I'm going to finish the movie. And then every time they're like, oh, my God, this is insane. Like, what the hell is happening? Well, that's the point. That is the point of Mission Impossible. It's an impossible mission. And their force is the only one who could do it, guys. Like, it's in the name.
1: Justin, you cracked the code on these films. I mean, you really got to the heart of it. Um, <laughs> they have a they have an impossible mission, but they have to complete it. Um, I also watched it, I don't so watching it I'd say in the span of maybe three days, I watched all six films. I gotta say, I've watched a couple franchises that way, most often in preparation for the next pod we're doing. I don't know that I'd recommend that for these films because they are so, I mean, eventually they start to realize they need some continuity between films, however loosely and however they decide to abandon that in the next film, they at least make the attempt kind of midway. Um, But my head was really just spitting when it was going to the next film and realizing like, Oh, these people aren't in it anymore. What is this? Who was that guy again? Three movies ago. I feel like it, it, behooves you better to watch it like week by week even um just because there's a lot that goes on in these films to separate them because they're all kind of swirling in my head i will say there were a couple scenes that i recognized and i realized i must have caught them on tv while they were on because I go oh i i saw that scene i guess i didn't realize it was a mission impossible movie so that happened a couple times but i was fresh-faced going into this franchise full steam
0: Oh, wow. Were you excited or were you a little uh, hesitant when you went in?
1: You know what? I I had been seeing a lot of movies, so I had to crunch these in, so I was feeling a little pressure. Because, I mean, these movies are two hours plus. So I was like, okay, I really have to schedule when I'm watching these films. Um, but I was excited, especially because for some reason, this franchise was not one that really hit with me as far as even halfway through the films coming out. I was like, I should start watching those. I just always was kind of aware of them, but never kind of had that itch to jump in. So it was nice to see these like completely like, what is this series about? You know?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm completely with you. I was like, oh, these look kind of corny, like as they were coming out. So I never watched them. And Honestly, it seems like the further they've gone into the movies, they've started getting a little bit more hype, and I've heard on other podcasts people talking about how good the last couple were, and I was like, really? Is it good for a Mission Impossible movie, or is it like a legit good, fun movie? And I will say, like as I watch them, I'm glad I, I watched them all the way through. I do wish there was some more separation between the movies, like you said, because the villains and kind of the MacGuffins of what they're searching after all blends together if you watch them so close together. And only a couple movies have a through line and that's not until later on in the series. So it's not like you need to, you know, pick one up where the next one ends. The positive thing is, they are all sequential, right? So it's not like movie four is a prequel to movie one or anything like that, which would really throw things off, especially for you, Kayla.
1: Oh, I'm a professional in a brilliant franchises that deal with that. So I feel like I'm a pro at sorting out what era you kind of need to watch these films in, but that's funny. Yeah, that's true. You can one through seven is as is it's one through seven. So yeah, that's good. Good for that. Let's have a little Tom Cruise corner because I was talking to you earlier about this in that a lot of my Tom Cruise film watching has been his early films has been the nineties with the exclusion of mission impossible. And so I kind of had more of that Tom Cruise. So seeing these films, I guess kind of in the span of his career, you saw like 96 Tom Cruise, you know, peak Tom Cruise, you saw like the long hair, two thousands cruise, like to, to where he is now. I was like, I guess I haven't watched as much later Tom Cruise. And he really, like, he's very good. Obviously, he's a very good actor. He's one of our best. But I found myself seeing him as Tom Cruise a bit in these films. I don't know whether it's that he's playing a similar role as far as the charisma, the like.
0: Now, I think, Kayla, your issue is not you're not seeing him as Tom Cruise, but Tom Cruise is seeing himself as Ethan Hunt.
1: So, he's believing himself to be a true Ethan Hunt in the real world, is what you're saying? I think
0: that's what's happening. Yes. I think he (laughs) believes he is this character from the Mission Impossible movies at this point.
1: I mean, in some ways, he is, since he, you know, I don't know at what point in the movies he decided, actually, I'm going to do all these stunts and flying helicopters myself. Uh, Maybe you have that info, but I just find it so funny that whether it's his interactions with women, which we'll get into, or it's just. how serious he takes himself a bit even as Ethan Hunt or Tom Cruise I guess who is who in these films it's just I don't know I just found myself a little peeled back a bit on the Tom Cruise energy because I think his real world unlike other actors who do all types of crazy things the persona around Tom Cruise I think is very large of like is he a person? Is he not? I don't know. Um, and that does kind of affect my TV, my movie watching a little bit because I'm, I'm conscious of that, that he's just kind of an odd duck to put it lightly.
0: Yeah, I, I hear you with that. And I think his career is a very interesting one because he has kind of transitioned into serious, like um, serious character, Oscar Academy nominated actor to action star. Right. And when did that transition happen? It probably the early two thousands. I'm probably like the fourth Mission Impossible movie is when it really t- took a shift, and he just became focused on movies that are Mission Impossible or very similar to Mission Impossible. But before that, you know, you have a few good men. You got Rain Man. You got Jerry Maguire. You got you have all these really good movies where he puts in great acting performances, and he's still a great actor. But he did at a at a certain point make a decision. I'm just going to do massive blockbuster movies the way I want to do them. And maybe it's because he wants to do all these stunts. Maybe he's like, I need to get my helicopter's license. So let me just do a movie that's got helicopter stunts in it. Cool. I need to be able to scuba dive. Let me do a movie that does that. Like, I feel like he's just looking for things to stay busy and then builds a movie around it personally.
1: I think that's fair. I think, I don't know what elements go into charging him up every night um, since he probably doesn't require to eat or drink um, in his alien lifespan. But... I I just do find it funny that he's latched on to not just this franchise, but like certain directors. And I don't know. I, I do, you know, I've heard a lot of commentary on just like missing the Tom Cruise who did a variety of films, like intense acting films. I do miss that. But also, you know, we're, we do have more action franchise films that are successful. I think now than there has been in the past few years, like with introduction of Takens and, and fast and furious and, terminators like a lot of revival of action films because i think we're in a dry spell for a bit in our like early 20s and um i'm excited for that so i don't hate that he's doing that he's doing this work and it's clearly successful it's just i do tom cruise like you know i think he's 60 or maybe approaching it and it i mean he may have 300 more years to live but you know he's 61 now
0: Which is insane because our action stars now are in their fifties and sixties. We, how many, besides superheroes, how many 20 year old action stars do we have? Not very many that are, I can think of off the top of my head, maybe like a Tom Hardy who's in his like thirties or forties, but is he really an action star? He's more of just an actor, but we, uh, we are from Syracuse, New York. So I can't go the whole podcast without saying Tommy Cruz, our guy was born in Syracuse, New York. Now maybe he was there for four minutes, who knows, but gotta throw uh throw that little credit out there, you know,
1: yes, he may have landed here in Syracuse, um uh, which we appreciate as our hometown, so that's great, um, yeah, I just it it just I found it funny, kind of going through these films, it just got like larger, larger feeling as I was watching them, so I mean, we're seven films deep into the Mission Impossible Saga. What do you think are central components that make up these films? And it's hard because these components change movie to movie, but I think there are a few that like you have to have.
0: Yeah. I mean, there, there's some staples like obviously there needs to be at the beginning of the movie, the, this is your mission. Sh- should you choose to accept it? will detonate in five seconds. That needs to be in every movie. That's just a staple from the beginning. Ethan Hunt gets disavowed by his government for some really, innocuous reason most of the time even though he saved the world so many times previously that's got to happen you need to have at least two or three double or triple crosses throughout the film because that's just how it's got to go there needs to be some type of mask which I wish they would get rid of the mask a little bit but at this point it's just kind of such such a, a staple of the franchise that they need to throw in some mask work which is just baffling to me and you need to have Tom Cruise with limited charisma with any female co-stars. I think that's uh oh, and, and obviously the really big one, Kayla. There needs to be a very semi-vague enemy slash weapon that doesn't make total sense, but he needs to recover. Oh, yeah. That's, that's it. That's <laughs> great.
1: That's great. To add to the women thing, I'll just say you have to have interesting sexual chemistry with a woman he you won't sleep with. Um, they have to there doubt Ethan Hunt every single film, despite all the times that he. I always thought that about the show that you loved, um, with the doctor with the cane. What was that? Um,
0: oh, House. House, House is a great show. I- yeah, I didn't
1: watch that regularly, but I always found it funny that even though he was an asshole, that every time they're like disregarding what he was saying about the plan of <laughs> medical attention, I'm like, I don't know. After like a couple years with them, don't you just kind of maybe assume he's right? Um, except the times he's super drinking i don't know
0: yeah don't you think you build up a trust after a certain point like uh, apparently okay, not. i got this nope
1: apparently not in house um and then yeah the masks you can't let them go at this point but it just fine i just found it so funny that despite everyone having this ability to use masks across from the villains to the good guys that they still are always so surprised at like a mask reveal like they're not they don't have this like certain check to assume that everyone they're in a room with has a mask, and after seven films, I have to find that to be just egregious. You know, a you see.
0: I, I don't know if it was the the latest one or um or maybe it was Fallout where you see a couple of like the the um uh, oh when he's chasing him through the Abu Dhabi airport, the FBI guy is like feeling people's faces to see if it is a mask. I'm like, why wasn't that happening every time before? And also. If you have this capability to use these masks, it makes everything easier. You can just walk into places and get shit. Like I don't (laughs) like mission impossible. Was it one, they could have just wore the mask of a different guy, but they try to retcon it a little bit in some of the middle movies where they're like, well, you need to have so many good photos or video evidence of this person so that we can recreate it. And we need them to say these crucial keywords in order to match the voices and, and we need to be an approximate height match. And so they try to throw some rules in to make it like, oh, this is why we don't use it all the time. But it's still like, we can't come up with a more creative way. We just need to throw out a mask that is perfect and that nobody can tell it's a different person.
1: It's just so amusing to me. Like, keep it going. At this point, keep it going. I think we're going to get maybe one more, or obviously we're going to get part two of Dead Reckoning. What we'll have afterwards, I don't know. Can Tom Cruise... Put down the Ethan Hunt gauntlet. I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see in Mission Impossible 37. But um, it's just they're, they're interesting films. and I really can't wait to get into them. So I think the best way to do it is to rank them. We'll each do our own ranking. Um, and then whoever has it higher on their list, I'm sure that's going to be you most of the time. Um, we'll wait to talk about it then because there's just some elements of each film we got to get into. So shall I start us off? Okay, here we go. I've been bouncing between this. And it's important to know, because I always have to say it every time, that a bottom does not mean it's the worst film ever. It's just the bottom of this listing of these films. So I'm bouncing between these two, my 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 six and seven. Um, but I'm, I'm going to put, I'm going to make a little last minute change. So seven is going to have to be Mission Impossible 2 for me. Uh, but I enjoyed elements of it. Okay, so we're the same. Well, so so we can, let's
0: talk about it here. Let's talk <laughs> about choose, it. choose it as your number seven, Kayla?
1: <laughs> so Mission Impossible 2 came out in 2000. Um, and this movie from one just had such a difference of what we're going to lean into. And so obviously there were some uh, relationship issue type events in one, which we'll go into when we talk about one. But two was like... The horniest Mission Impossible. I'm just going to say it. It, it, And it's so different from the (laughs) other Mission Impossibles that it really stands out. Because Tom Cruise is just all about... Uh, the the other main character in this film, who is uh, Naya. Naya, Hall. Naya who yeah. oh my god, I understand why. I mean, from the bathtub scene in the beginning, where they're you like blame he's underneath her, and then just sl- the entire film is just these slow glances, these like they literally have sex in the first 10 minutes because they go, oh, they're gonna, all right this is good, getting it on, and then they wake up in bed together, like, oh, that was that was 10 minutes in, that was quick. Um and it just continues even to the end where there's they meet up so it's just this, and his, the whole mission to a p- component is getting her is rescuing her like his focus is on her and that does not kind of follow through in most of the other films um and so I just found that so funny because it's so different I enjoyed this film too
0: I I don't know I mean the main plot point him and uh, Naya or I guess uh, Thandie Newton is the one who plays Nia Hall. Their chemistry is pretty solid. It's kind of some of the most work a female co-star has uh, across most of the movies here. There's only really a couple really fleshed out female characters. And I believe it was like they need to find the genetically airborne disease, what is it, chimera, before it gets into the wrong hands. But what takes me out of this movie is... The the bad guy here, Sean Ambrose, played by uh, Doug Ray Scott. So much slow motion, just terrible action scenes. This was two hours and three minutes. It could have been an hour and 40 minutes if they just got rid of the slow motion. And this was the only one that John Woo did. And in my opinion, thank goodness, because all I could do was laugh my ass off at every action scene. It takes you out of it. You want to like be watching this like intently. And then I'm just like, oh, they're slow motioning. Punch or, oh, hey, these two motorcycles run into each other fast and furious style and they dive off and tackle each other in midair. Just It was so absurd, Kayla. It had to be at the bottom of my list.
1: So I gotta say, of all the Mission Impossible films that have, like, right, the item that they're trying to retrieve, save, get, whatever, I liked the virus storyline. Like, I like the virus as a concept of trying to get this bioweapon. Like, I did, of many of them, I enjoyed that kind of plot, because it has that urgency and, like, uh uh-oh, like there's a lot of dangerous moments like when they're in the glass lab, that he's trying to steal it and there's bullets ricocheting off of all these things. And you're like, are they going to explode this bioweapon and they're all going to be diseased and die in a day? Like there is that kind of like disease illness that I think carries out from the real world, the disease fear. Um, so I enjoyed that. See, I found the, the slow motion romantic glances and like, just hilarious to me i i really enjoyed it but the motorcycle scene was was terrible i mean i do appreciate real facts like very much there's no cgi this is truly motorcycles you know going down a cliff whatever but it's just so i mean when they're revving and they're preparing to basically like go at each other it's so funny it is not serious whatsoever it's unserious people yeah.
0: And you see these lists of like the best scenes of Mission Impossible history. And it lists that motorcycle like duel. And I'm like, that is ridiculous. My favorite scene from the movie is probably the opening free solo scene where he's just climbing the rocks uh, with the long hair and throws the glasses as they explode and the, then everything kind of kicks off. But everything else, uh, I was uh, they could have done a lot more with the storyline of trying to stop this disease. And I do like... Bits and pieces, but comparative to the other seven, by far my seventh favorite. Like, not even close to sniffing number six, honestly.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I I had a little more back and forth. I also want to point out the moves, like, along with the slow motion, there's a scene where Ethan does this front flip just to kick this guy in the stomach. And I had to go back and rewatch it because it was, like, doing the absolute most. Like, he truly could have just kicked this guy in the stomach. But instead, he did this, like full aerial flip over switch to kick him and it just i i laugh so hard so i mean if you want a little cheese with your mission impossible i highly recommend mission Impossible too i think it's the cheesiest
0: yeah i think by far the cheesiest yeah
1: yeah, agreed
0: so what do you have for your number six
1: kayla okay this is where we're we're gonna come into difficulties as always when we rank films uh each i'm gonna put mission impossible one here and and That's where it is. Insane. That's where it is.
0: Insane, Kayla. This started the franchise. This is such a good movie. I'm not going to say where I have it ranked, but definitely not number six, Kayla.
1: Yeah, this is this is six for me, and I'll go into it when we discuss it later. So,
0: all right, my number six is Mission Impossible. Drumroll, please. Ghost Protocol, the fourth of the series. I have is number six. I know this might be a little bit of a hot take. A lot of people like Ghost Protocol. But since you have it higher, we'll wait to discuss that <laughs> later on.
1: We're going to be doing a lot of this here, I have a feeling. So, okay. All right, then. My number five is going to be Mission Impossible 3.
0: Oh, my gosh. I'm so disappointed in you, <laughs> Kayla. We have,
1: okay, we have quite a different list then.
0: So, yeah, my, my uh, Mission Impossible 3 is definitely higher up. My number five will be Mission Impossible Rogue Nation.
1: Wow. Okay. Which I know a
0: lot of people really like. Yeah. And again, like you said at the beginning, I like these movies, but when you have to rank them against each other, Mm -hmm. this is on the lower end.
1: Okay. All right. We're going to go right to four then. Look at us climbing. We're going to have a lot to talk about the end half of this. My number four is going to be Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which came out in 2011. So that's my number four. Um, So let's talk about it.
0: Yeah, let's talk about it now then. Why did you uh, rank that as high as four, Kayla?
1: Okay, so I there were elements that I didn't like in Ghost Protocol, and there were elements that I did. Um, Although Jeremy Renner, I know there's some, you know, he essentially was supposed to take over the Mission Impossible franchise. And Tom Cruise was like, at the end of the film, like, nah, actually, no, I'm going to keep going with this.
0: How big of a shaft does Jeremy Renner get? Because he was also supposed to take over the Bourne franchise from Matt Damon. And they were like, eh, never mind. Let's bring Damon back. So very similar kind of style movies. And I guess he just couldn't hack it. I don't know.
1: He's so – here's the thing. I think he's a great actor. I I know, like, as he was playing Hawkeye in the Marvel movies, like – when he had his little spin-off show um with Hayley Steinfeld, he was like, I he had all these ideas for Hawkeye that didn't end up playing out. So he has all this like darker, like, I wanna be doing all this stuff. It's almost like he just never gets a full chance to do it. And that is kind of a bummer because although he his place in this film is a little all over, I enjoyed him as another like badass character in you know because a lot of time it's Tom Cruise and then the computer people so I I enjoyed having him there to also like fight the fights you know
0: yeah I can uh hear that and they started bringing some people in to play with it and and see if they were going to keep kind of the band together because the first three movies had some carryover but it wasn't a very consistent like okay this guy is going to be in every movie I actually think uh Benji may have been like very minimally. In Mission Impossible 3, I think they kind of show him back at the base, like, for two seconds, like, oh, I'll get you this code. Or they call him and he answers the phone and, and doesn't reveal any secrets is how they kind of bring him in. I do like a couple really big scenes in this movie with the premise being, you know, okay, Russia is, they've got access to nuclear codes. That's the the main premise here and they need to stop them. Okay, it's always fun to root against Russia in these movies. I'm sorry, but it, it just kind of is. And then the scene where they infiltrate the Kremlin and then it eventually gets blown up and they get blamed for it. That's a really like fun kind of heisty scene where they're, they're using the uh, the projector screen and pretending that they're, the screen is showing the hallway, but they're inching it up, you know, moment by moment. I, I really enjoy kind of getting the team together and how are they going to pull this off type of scenes. And this one had one of the best in the franchise, I think.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I can, I can agree with that. I mean, Paula Patton also, I appreciate, you know, up to this point, women, as far as like in, in the IMF, like as far as like kind of meeting Ethan Hunt, I appreciate her as this character that was like platonic. Like he, although it seems like Ethan Hunt gets with every woman in the IMF, I'm certain of it based of how he, like the women always are like Ethan. I'm like, Oh yeah, he has a pass with them. Um, that she was just like part of the team taking care of it. Like there was no real, like I got to trust you or like build the something that he has with other women who have a similar kind of role as him later on. So I thought she did a really good job um, being a part of the team and being new and being introduced. I always find it funny when um, you know, they're like, and this is your team. Like we picked these people, but you can like pick a couple others. Like I- seeing their faces and going, okay, who, who is he working with on this mission? And so I thought the chemistry and just the dynamic between all of them when it came to the bombs and and different things were really good.
0: And the, uh, I believe this is also the movie where they break him out of prison to open up the movie, right? Where he's uh, sitting there. So that's a cool scene where he's just sitting there bouncing the ball, like, okay, everything's going to shit. I know I'm going to be able to get out of here. No big deal. I'm, I'm Tom Cruise. So let's, uh, break the hell out of this, uh, Russian prison or whatever it was.
1: I think it's hard to, it it is a little weird to talk about this film without having the initial Julia movie in three, but so in three, he gets, you know, engaged, he gets married in the film to a character. So he's kind of like this womanizer secret agent and then decides to kind of lock it down in the third film. So bizarre. And then they spend the rest of the film trying to backtrack on that. So in four, you, like she just disappears, which is a common thread in Mission Impossible is that people just go away with like a minimal kind of information. And so it's implied that she's dead. And that's what, ha- that's why she doesn't appear again in like a failed mission. And that Ethan is so hurt by this. And that's why he was in jail. Cause he got revenge, all this stuff just to find out that they actually separated for her safety. Because despite the third film where they spend the whole time talking about how you're ridiculous to get married, he still did. It. And then I think apparently came to the same conclusion and kind of had to have her like set her free. So she's safe um and they have like a quick glimpse of her so like that was weird in this film because i just was like you built this whole third film to get to this and now she's just you're like "Eh, actually yeah it is kind of too dangerous for me to have you here you know
0: yeah it is such a weird choice they made and this i think there was like five years between number three and ghost protocol so a lot of time has passed and it there's really no explanation until like halfway through the movie and then they kind of try to shoehorn in, oh, Jeremy Renner, he's really so invested because he was supposed to be watching over Ethan Hunt and his wife, and he's the reason that she she's dead. Really? Like, what? You guys disavow Ethan Hunt every damn movie, but yet you're going to send an entire team to watch over him after he tries to leave? I, it just, that didn't really line up to me. They were just trying to push Jeremy Renner into the franchise and were like, let's, uh, She's not here. We don't have Michelle Monahan. So uh, I guess she died. Okay. Well, maybe she didn't die. Well, I I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out as we kind of go. And it seems like with some of these movies, they do just figure it out on set sometimes. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think that's clear. I also feel like, and hear me out on this. I think Ghost Protocol would have been better served, like the concept of being Ghost Protocol, meaning that the the government decided to disavow the IMF and they're on their own. They're not getting the funding. They're they're whatever you do is you better hide out because we're looking for you. I feel like this could have been better served later on in the films, which once they've always been working together, and then now they suddenly don't have the money. Um, I am going to reference another action film in Fast and Furious when they were cut off from funding in this last film. And they had to kind of figure out how how they're gonna get money in a in a you know funny way. Um, they seem to have no issues, like whether they're legit part of IMF and getting the okay or they're not. There's no real significant troubles that they have trying to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. Being in Ghost Protocol, like I wish there were a little more stakes with the. I mean, intensity of being told, like, you're done, that you, you're you a ghost, we we don't know you, um, everything that you've done, forget about it, you know what I mean? Like, the stakes were that part of it, even though it's called literally Ghost Protocol, didn't seem to be the biggest part of this movie.
0: Yeah, I hear you. It's, they were still able to pretty much do whatever they wanted, Like they had it all set up just in case something went awry. It's just, it was a... It was a little bit disappointing. They had a lot to work with. They had a couple of great scenes. We also had the the one where he's climbing the side of the tallest building in the world in Dubai was Ghost Protocol, I believe, which is one of the coolest scenes where they give the sticky gloves and Benji's like, well, we don't have all the materials we would have had. But I happen to have these really high tech gloves in my bag just in case this type of situation arises and they just stick you to the wall. And, oh, if it's blue, you're good. If it's red, it's not. And somehow Tom Cruise and Ethan Hunt, one of them malfunctioned, and he's able to stay up there with just one glove and, and his feet. And he's 120 stories up. And then he needs to launch himself through the window. And that's a really cool scene. Probably one of my favorite favorite of all of the franchise
1: yes and then it crashes through the window like all of it is good stuff i don't know about you but my instagram algorithm is hilarious to me because i somehow get people who actually do this and then get arrested once they get on top who essentially with their bare hands climb these massive buildings just as like a sport or like a challenge (laughs) it's it's so bizarre but i find myself going oh my god um which is the chalk crazy crazy so,
0: um, so I guess I should give my number four because we talked a bit about yes. Ghost Protocol. My number four, which you will have higher, I'm sure of it, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Uh, I know sorry, you're controversial your number, number four?
1: Your number four is, is Dead Reckoning?
0: It's number four, and I think some of it, it gets hurt because it is part of a two-part series. So we don't have that satisfaction as much at the end of the film. It just felt, we'll talk about it when you list it later on, but I do have some issues with Dead Reckoning. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was great to go to the movies. That's one thing about Tom Cruise and even uh, you know Christopher Nolan and these types of creators, you want to go see their films in the theaters. So I'm really glad I saw it, really glad I saw it in theaters, but I have it as number four.
1: I don't know if I'll ever recover from this. Um, Okay. <laughs> Okay, I just got some heat from my early picks, but that's wild to me. I can't wait to hear your takes, though. This will be good. Okay, so number three. My number three is going to be Mission Impossible Rogue Nation 2015. So remind me again, this is my number three, and this was your...
0: This was my number five.
1: Okay, your number five. All right, so let's talk about this film. Came out in 2015. Um, It is quite the film. So why was it lower on your list?
0: I, like I keep saying, I love these movies. It's just, this is the first Christopher McQuarrie movie. So the action and everything is really cool. We do get, I believe Rebecca Ferguson kind of makes her, her big up moment in the films. And I love her. I just, the syndicate, the bad guy was a little bit, two of this vague, bad organization that they're ex agents that are trying to take down the IMF and have ulterior motives and I, that was i don't know i wasn't a big fan of how they handled that whole situation and this whole okay the imf is disbanded it's back it's disbanded it's back like it just starts to drain on on me after a, after a while in these films so unfortunately i had a little lower on my list why did you enjoy it so much
1: i think rebecca ferguson is definitely a plus because it just How these films up to this point um, have shown women in these films, it was just kind of a breath of fresh air to have this character that Ethan just didn't have control over. And I don't just mean in like how he's acting, but just like isn't part of the team where he's leading it. And so she is something completely different. He doesn't even know her name for a while. Like, who are you with? Just they're like quick banter and the way that she has to keep kind of saving him in these moments, even though it's blowing her cover and you're wondering like, what are her motivations to abandon her plan in lieu of letting him, you know, accomplish what he's trying to do. I just found that so interesting and and different from how the team has worked together in the previous films. Um, I'm with you on the syndicate again. I always think it's a great concept. It's a bad, you know, how they deal it out. Isn't good. Like the concept of these rogue operatives in the IMF forming their own group and kind of doing their own thing is incredibly interesting and is a great bad guy grouping, but how they actually do it is not full fledged. And some of the people in it are like, what is going on? Even the syndicate, um, but again, that's part of the Mission Impossible cheesiness It's just, it's the syndicate. It's the rabbit, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. whatever is their big bad. It's so funny to me, but I really thought like the M16 Ilsa Faust, the Ethan Hunt dynamic was really interesting.
0: Yeah, I do like the Ilsa Faust character. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson is just great. And as I've talked about a million times on this podcast, I love Silo and she's a big part of Silo. So. Uh, Always a rep and, rep and silo over there. Oh, now you're more intrigued, Kayla. Now I, that you know, we're about I did have a little stuff. head
1: tool. I'm sure you said that there when we go. talked about it last week, but it means a little more now. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um,
0: and I believe this is the film that we were introduced to Alec Baldwin as this uh, the way they have the people that run the IMF, the CIA, the FBI. It's just these random figureheads that you don't really know what their role is it's just like Alec Baldwin's a boss and then later out you find out oh he's actually CIA and not a fan of the IMF well actually no he's going to transition to the IMF oh actually it's just they have these weird nebulous characters that are big actors or actresses that they just throw in and they're like okay here you get three scenes just knock it out of the park in your three scenes and you're done and maybe you come back in another movie maybe you don't. What did you think about the main bad guy in this movie played by Sean Harris, Solomon Lane? Did you like him as a character?
1: I liked it. I, so he's very, he, he was of course in the saw films as the bad guy. So to me, like when you continuously cast a guy that plays a bad guy, it works for me because I'm, I'm maybe not consciously thinking of saw watching this, but I'm thinking about the feelings of like how scary he is in saw you know, and so that works for me. When you're talking about Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin now to me is always tied to Jack, his character Jack in um, 30 Rock. So like, he always seems like that guy. Like when he's we we have to be doing this and I just see him as Jack. So he actually takes me out of it. Like Alec Baldwin was kind of little, he's kind of stuck in that role for me. And it always seems like he's being in that character in films. But I, I, Like, I thought it was interesting and how he carries over into the next film is interesting too. Um, but I thought he worked well as a villain, what he had to work with, we could say is lacking, but I, I liked him. Yeah.
0: And that was your number three film, right? Kayla.
1: That was my number three. Yeah. There, there are parts of it that don't necessarily work. Um, I mean, I find it so funny when he's, he's out of the game, Ethan Hunt, you know, he's in hiding, so he's all like bearded up and just like how he looks so haggard you know being out of the loop on stuff and then just him constantly behind Rebecca Ferguson's care Elsa like how he's constantly like here you are again and she's always having to save him like it is a different dynamic than the usual films I'll say for Ethan Hunt um, which I like yeah and
0: it's nice to have that other character that he's pushing up against in uh, Elsa Faust here where she is just as capable. But they uh, maybe they're on opposite sides. Maybe they're not. You don't really know until later on in the movie. But it's that opposing force, but they also respect each other. So when they have the opportunities to kill the other, they're like, ah, I don't want to do that yet. I might have use for you later down the line. So I just kind of like that dynamic between you know, quote-unquote enemies in film.
1: And I do. This is something funny, but it appears in a lot of action films. I do like it when a character is trying to infiltrate a bad group and constantly has to prove that they're bad, too. Like, I do enjoy that. Like, it is fun to me to watch them. You know, many times in this movie, Elsa's constantly have to show, like, no, I'm, I'm willing to kill this person or steal this item. And so I do like that. Now, the fact that they give her, like, three, five, a hundred chances to constantly, like... One more time, and then I'll know you're not really with us. This is funny to me, but I enjoy that dynamic.
0: And this is like we had the great, a couple of great scenes in this movie as well. We had the opera shootout with Rebecca Ferguson. They're shooting through the uh, whatever instrument I don't know instruments, and he's uh, at the opera and sees all kind of the bad guys talking through the earpieces. And then you have uh, one of those classic Tom Cruise likes to do his own stunt. So we he, like held on to the side of a plane as it was taking off. Obviously fastened in with the uh, harnesses and everything. Still freaking terrifying. So this guy just doesn't matter his age. Oh, I'll just hang off the side of this plane. At this time I'm what fifty some odd years old? No big deal. Guy is insane.
1: So good love to see it. Um uh, yeah, I think it's it's a good rewatch too as well. I think later on I I might return back to these films, I'm sure. All right my number two film oh oh you didn't do your number three three, okay i'm sorry
0: no you just were talking so much about how much you loved rogue nation great name by the way it is mission impossible three is my number three and this was almost number two for me so i i see your face and i know it has problems but this is what i'm going to say first i'll give a a quick little uh rundown Ethan Hunt, IMF team, there's a dangerous weapon out there, rabbit's foot, yada, yada, they need to save it from getting into the wrong hands. The reason that this kind of jumps up for me is that Ethan Hunt, you see, gets uh, or has a fiance or gets married early on in the film. I believe they're just engaged at the start of the film and she gets taken. So now he has a personal vendetta against the enemy and it's not just a mission for him. It's personal this time. And that... Those stakes always ramp it up a little bit for me. And that Philip Seymour Hoffman is just amazing in this film as the bad guy. He just elevates this so much. If it was a lesser actor playing Owen Davian in this film, it probably just completely bombs. But he just brings so much out of Tom Cruise and Ethan Hunt in this. I really enjoyed it. We got Benji being introduced. We have Lawrence Fishburne in this. Film, which I don't really quite understand what he's doing. We have Carrie Russell as the agent that they're trying to extract early on. We have weird ways of killing people. We have Jonathan Reese Myers. We have Billy Crudup, Michelle Monahan's back. It's just, I really like the film and it hinges on Philip Seymour Hoffman's performance for me. So why did you not like this? And why do you not like the rabbit's foot? Like
1: First Which of is all, the biggest after, I'm sorry. Like, name you,
0: for a weapon ever.
1: <laughs> you say that sentence is so funny, dude. Why don't you care about the rabbit's foot? Um, you have your answer right there. First Do you of not all, believe
0: Tom Cruise actually works at the uh, Department of Transportation or. <laughs>
1: You know, working somewhat in transportation myself. Yeah, I find that hard to believe. Um, first of all, I would like to put some respect on Maggie Q's name, who when I saw her, I was utterly delighted. Maggie Q, I just think she's not in enough amazing action films. I loved her in the show Nikita. Unfortunately, not a lot of watchers for that show, but she was so freaking good in that show. As basically Ethan Hunt, as basically like someone going against multiple groups. Um so she's great i mean i again i wish there's so sometimes there's so many characters that i'm like why are they not in the net you know why are they not carried on into the next like how cool would it be to have and maybe this is going to be in part two reckoning um to have some of these characters that didn't die um that they do love to kill a lot of these characters to appear again because ethan has made so many friendships and been on like i mean every movie's a big mission it would be so cool to have like Oh, we have to go over to Norway and then like Maggie Q's there working on something like that would be really fun to see some of these characters that you never hear or see again. You know, um, you just see Luther and seven packs characters. Yeah, so. just like
0: pop in for yeah. a quick scene here or there to keep the uh, kind of the consistency across the films. Because really it's Luther is the most consistent mm-hmm. side character, right? He's in majority of these films, maybe six of the seven. And then you kind of bring in Benji. And then the rest is kind of a crapshoot. Like you never really know who it's going to be, when they're going to pop in. And like you said, it's usually one film. Okay, they're here for half the film. They're gone. We never hear or see from them ever again. But at that point, I think in Mission Impossible 3 especially, they didn't have an idea that this was going to go on for another 20 years. They were probably like, oh, we're going to make a movie. This is a cool way that could end it you know it's uh we have a lot of big name actors in this one and then they were just like let's just pick this baby up and keep grinding it out fast and furious style for another two decades
1: yes that's that's certainly the mode i mean i do want to say i laughed so hard at the beginning where carrie russell's character like gets uh what is she it has in her the, head like and... bob
0: implanted in her brain yes. or whatever that and, basically yeah. just
1: like Instant kill, even though there's like a countdown to it. Um, and they zoomed in on her like truly cross-eyed face so many times. And I'm like, wow, they're really zooming in on her face. Oh, and then they like did it twenty times after that. I'm like, oh my god, like they just did it. And then when they would go back to remembering how what happened to her, it was like her face, like I mean, it just cracked. That was me a little cordy. Cracked me up. I will
0: like, but that's like why I like this movie so much is. He fails. Ethan Hunt fails at the beginning. Carrie Russell's character dies. They aren't able to fix it in time. And then his fiance is kidnapped, and you have this crazy interrogation scene that runs through the entire movie, basically, where Philip Seymour Hoffman's saying, where is the rabbit's foot? Which, again, is a crazy thing to say. They can't come up with a better name for this toxic weapon. And he just has a gun to what is believed to be his fiance's head the whole time. So watching Ethan Hunt squirm and like be terrified of shit, I don't know how to protect the one person on this planet I actually really care about just ramps up the stakes for me. And again, they uh, just used masks, right? And it wasn't actually her and she, he saves her in the end anyway. But still, at that moment, you weren't entirely sure.
1: I think I think to go back to your earlier question, why this film didn't necessarily work for me, even though I love Philip Seymour Hoffman, he's a great villain. I think it's because if this film was going to I think, like you said, this film could have been the end. It was cinching up a lot of these plot lines. Right. He wants to get out of the IMF. He's now a trainer. He's engaged. He wants to be married and settle down like this is kind of where it could end. I mean, even at the end, he goes on his honeymoon. So there we go. That's his happy ending. If that was the end of the franchise, I think obviously I'd have three movies to pull from and I'd enjoy this more. I think because it completely almost disavows the majority of where Ethan Hunt is mentally and even story-wise after this, because they have to retcon, Oh, we actually don't want Ethan Hunt to be settled down married for the next five films. We want him to still have all this chemistry with all these hot women. Um, Oh, we're just going to forget he was trained. He had a training period and now he's back being like the lead agent. Like, I think because it just gets completely like one off in all the future films, it doesn't, all of those elements don't work for me. So when I see him with Julia, I'm like, yeah, they're just going to make you disappear and have fleeting glimpses of you for the next five films. Like, that's why this doesn't, the base of it doesn't hold for me.
0: That's fair enough, Kayla. I uh, agree to disagree on that one. So what do you have for your number two pick?
1: Okay. I think we're probably going to
0: be similar here.
1: Yes, yes. My number two is Fallout.
0: That is also my number two. Okay. So why'd you put it this high?
1: All right. So as you could tell from my track of these films and my ranking, as many films, I feel like these films got better and better the more they went on. And so Fallout to me is obviously number two for me. I thought that there were so many great elements in it. Um, I absolutely love that, that. We we talk a lot about the stunts and the the crazy fight scenes, but to me, like everything worked here when it came to the action elements. When it came to like fighting off helicopters and cliff fights and just all of that stuff was like so exciting to watch. Um, and in the an action movie, that's what you want. Um, the The story plotline of Fallout was interesting for sure um the the duped nature of like oh i'm here to watch you and make sure you're doing good with henry cavell's character uh what was this character's name
0: uh henry cavill yeah Yeah. so henry cavill was uh playing august walker
1: okay yeah weird name (laughs) yeah i liked the whole him getting you know conned out of revealing his evil nature after that it didn't necessarily work for me because i just him and his mustache i don't know what it was but i just found it so funny his like why won't you die like his his role i mean he's so first of all he fits i mean he's an amazing shape he looks the part But just his acting in it, I I don't know if it was the material. I don't know if it was him. I find Superman to be a little kind of rigid a bit in that, too. Didn't really work for me. I don't I don't it just him as his villain, like he didn't have that energy of like sinister or he was just very flat for me when he was doing stuff other than the badass action films. He obviously sells that.
0: I think it's just his physicality is what makes him intimidating. He's such a big guy. And like next to Tom Cruise, he looks like a bigger threat than he is because when he gets first introduced, right, it's okay. Well, we know this guy's actually probably a bad guy. Like it's pretty obvious early on, but then there, again, there's this like triple, triple uh, backstabbing situation where he's working for her, but actually him, but actually her, but actually them. And you're like, what the hell is going on here at a certain point? I will say Fallout had so many of the best just stunts and scenes of the entire series. I mean, the just the action sequence when they're in the bathroom at the club, and it's uh, Ethan Hunt and August Walker facing the fake, what is it, John Lark, and they're just getting the shit beat out of them by this one guy is great, and they need to rely on Ilsa Faust to show up and kill the guy for them. I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed how they brought Ilsa back. Um, I think the Michelle Monahan coming back thing was a little weird. It seemed like they were just trying to give Ethan Hunt like some more stakes on why he really needs to save them this time, which isn't necessary given what's happened in all these movies. We have the halo jump. They jump out of the frickin helicopter, which is insane. And he actually trained for that and did that. He, ha- he has the uh, situation where he's driving the helicopter, basically battling the helicopter with Henry Cavill's character there towards the end. And then the fight on the edge of the cliff is insane. And like I said, the bathroom fight. And you can't forget, he actually jumped across uh, the building rooftops and broke his foot filming this. And that's the scene they use in the film. When he gets up, you see him kind of limping for a second. He kept going after shattering his ankle on that scene, and then uh you know they stitch in him running about ten thousand meters across the tops of these rooftops, which was just pure cinema, Kayla.
1: Can we talk about Ethan Hunt's run? I mean, do you think he runs, I don't know if you know, a lot in these films. Uh, a good chunk, he's just straight up. So much. <laughs> it's just his form is just so funny to me because it's so serious. Like, it's so very much like efficiency and where your arms go and everything. It always makes me laugh when he's having to run across a long distance. Um, the whole Julie of it all makes no sense to me. I, I, you put so much work in explaining why you separated and why you let her go. I have absolutely no understanding of why you would make her an element of stakes. I think the bombs blowing up significant areas and people is enough of a stake than to add your ex wife and weird husband. Like
0: it's, it's the Solomon Lane like bad guys way of showing you showing Ethan Hunt hey, I'm another step ahead of you. Like, you tried to hide this. I know so much about you and your history. There's no way you can overcome it. Like, just trying to make it so overwhelming that they are so far ahead of uh, the IMF team. But again, I agree with you. It wasn't necessary. They could have gotten to that a little bit more organically, in my opinion. Yeah, just... just
1: it changes, like, again, he set her free so this wouldn't happen, and it still happened. They still were able to find out he had a connection with her and put her in danger. Again, I'm like, okay, then what was it all for? I don't, I don't under make it make sense. Um, I just thought that was so weird to add to this. I love, um, Ilsa's fight scene in the cabin and Simon Pag, like, her having a, you know, what am I gonna do here? And like, Being pulled back from the brink of killing him, Lane. Like, I I do like all that. Having to slide
0: the the box underneath Simon Pegg's legs in the middle of the fight. Those are classic moments. Like, in the middle of an all out brawl and notices he's dying, like, just kicks a a box over so he can stand on it for a second. Those are always fun scenes. So
1: great. I mean, Luther with Julia and the bomb, I mean, that was kind of funny when she was like, kind of had to put herself in it. But like, the speech he gives her, so bizarre to me. Um, you know, you what are the have... apostles?
0: Why, why is this not just the syndicate? It's all the people from the syndicate, but they call them the apostles because they captured Solomon Lane and then he escaped. I don't, they were trying to make this, this, uh, I guess through line through the film of he saves Luther early on instead of saving the plutonium. And then he just keeps getting put into these situations of, Are you going to try to do what's best for mankind or are you going to try to save your friend or ex-lover or ex-wife or ex-fiance? There's already so many people he cares about. You do not need to bring Julia back. Like you said, you have Elsa Faust there. You have Luther, who he's already saved once. You have Benji. You have, I mean, innocent people that could die. That's also something that he usually cares about. But all in all, it was just such a well-done film and i really it's just a fun watch you sit down and you can watch that and just kind of not have a care in the world you don't need to pay attention to the plot too much you just focus on all of these set pieces and sequences and
1: i i argue you could say that for most of these films you don't necessarily have to follow the plot to just enjoy kind of what's happening on screen yeah it was it's a phenomenal film absolutely rewatchable film um it just stands out as really well done as far as putting all the things together minus these exceptions we see shall we get to our number ones which we can now through process of elimination reveal that i have um mission impossible dead reckoning as my number one and you had Dead as Reckoning four, Part One,
0: kayla part one there's going to be a dead reckoning part two
1: and i, I can't wait we'll, we'll have to see when it comes out now with everything going on but that's coming um, so I have it as my number one, you had it as your number four, and then you have Mission Impossible, the original, the OG 96, as your number one, That's right. and I had it as my number six. So let's talk about one first, I guess. That's the the OG.
0: Mission Impossible 1, Kayla. It started everything. In my opinion, this is the best just pure story film of the entire franchise because it is not as insane as all the other ones. There's an actual semi-reasonable plot line to this film. Now, it came out in 96. Brian De Palma is the only one that he did in the franchise. And we figure out, this is the young, charismatic Ethan Hunt. Like, what's his role on this team? We have Emilio Estevez plays this guy, Jack, who dies early on in the film. And that's a big name actor who just dies. And it throws you kind of off kilter right there. It's just John Voigt plays a great villain in this one as Jim Phelps, who is Ethan Hunt's mentor, but he has turned in order basically to just get money and get out of this with his wife. It's just well done because he is in the shadows. He does not have the backing of the IMF or the CIA or the FBI. He is doing this by himself and trying to figure out who the enemy is, who the spy is, who he can trust. And there's so many double and triple crosses. We have the most famous of all of the Mission Impossible scenes where he gets lowered into the CIA vault and is sitting there like parallel with the ground, trying not to let a uh, drop of sweat uh, go onto the pressure sensitive floor. It's just such a cool, great movie to watch. The only real issue for me is the technology does not age well. At all. And I wish they didn't do the math. The math were so over the top. If you don't do the math, we don't need to do them every film from here on out. We could have found another way, you know?
1: Okay. That's your only real issue with these films. Okay. Um, Technology for sure is huge. I mean, I really had to laugh out loud when they're hacking and they're like, web access um you know the biggest thing they're trying to get is on a floppy disk like i really enjoy i mean anything that is super heavy on technology just is not going to age well um yeah. and so obviously well, that when is he's a stand like out. emailing
0: like basically yes bad guys at email.com and you're like what <laughs> so that doesn't age well at yeah, all yeah
1: that right? does not age well when he's researching you know like bible quotes i mean so funny to me um I enjoyed some of the dupes in this film. Again, I find the whole team murder kind of in the beginning and the weird who he was interested in. um, So bizarre to me again, with, with female characters in these movies and like the chemistry of it. I'm like, I don't know that I believe this. And, um, the Kittridge of it all, who who honestly always confounds me as far as like he's a good bad guy. Like, why are we not getting rid of this guy? He's clearly like a true a villain a bit, you know. No, like
0: he, he's a, but it's revealed he's a a bad good guy, right? Because he's right. not the one that set this all into motion, but he's a jackass that doesn't trust anybody and wants his own way. So but it was like, like to
1: reveal the mole, like it was to get them killed. Yeah. Like it, it just all it's just so. You know, even in Dead Reckoning, I'm so confused. Like, why is this guy still able to hang around? I don't totally understand why that is the case. Um, I mean, the... This one is just so hard. I I do like him like, now i got to find a new team. I do like that kind of element of it. But this movie for me, just like, I don't know that I'd rewatch. I don't know that I, like it had. What? I don't know that it had all these big moments that I would return to. Even the moment, which I think is the highlight, is like you said, when he's being dropped down, the sound, the beat of sweat that's going to drop and ruin the whole thing. Like, even that. I wouldn't rewatch the whole movie just for that scene. I mean Oh man. It really didn't a- was a great to me.
0: I love the team he pulls together. This is Ving Raines back when he was actually like mobile and able to do things, playing Luther. We had uh John Reno playing Krieger, which is a great casting choice. I mean, Leon the Professional is in this damn thing. And when uh he's holding him in the vault and the rat comes up and he drops him a little and has to pull him back up. It's just, it's a great movie, Kayla. Stop bashing Mission Impossible 1, the original. Just take your mind. You know what this is? We've talked about this on other pods. Okay. This is a situation where if you did not watch this in the mid to late 90s when it came out, you can't get over the technology advancements that have happened since then. But if you saw it then and you're re-watching it, you appreciate it and you can kind of take it in more. I think that's what's happened.
1: I actually agree with that because you know me, I am a big nostalgia buff. So if something has some sort of significance of watching the first time, like that carries over a lot of weight to it. You're right. I don't have that with this first film. I truly was watching it for the first time when I sat down last week to do it. So I'm sure that's an element of it. It just, especially in lieu of all these other films, you know what I mean? If that was a standalone, it is what it is. I'm appreciating it for what it is. But because I have all of these other films to rank, I don't know how I could say fallout and be like, this is my number one because I don't have that with these films. I watch them all together. So I'm watching fallout and going, yeah, I really liked it when he has to stay up all night looking up Bible quotes and um the weird chemistry he has with these characters. You know like I I couldn't do it. It just it didn't hit for me because of that, you know.
0: Yeah, and I I do hear you on the chemistry with the female characters here. It just it was non-existent. I I wish there was a little bit something more going on there, but
1: Claire. Oh, yeah. what you
0: didn't like his close-up magic between him and uh the Krieger character when he he's like, "Oh, that wasn't the real disc. That's over here." Who's got it now? And then uh Luther's like, that actually was the real one. He's like, oh yeah, but I just didn't want him to know. Close up magic, Tom Cruise.
1: Was that game. in the first one? The close-up magic? I guess I forget.
0: He does it in the first one, but then okay. he brings it back in was it it was either uh Fallout or Dead Reckoning Dead Reckoning. One. He brings back Yeah, he brings back okay. the close-up magic. <laughs> so a little callback to the original, Kayla.
1: Yes, yes. Okay. Since we're transitioning to Dead Reckoning, you had as number four, which I just I guess I can't wait to hear your kind of gripes about it. Um, I certainly have them. I don't think it's a perfect film whatsoever, but it is my number one. I guess I'm more interested in hearing what your kind of downgrades were as far as your lineup. Why was this your number four?
0: So this was my number four. It was a very long movie. Now, Fallout, Mm -hmm. it was two hours, 27 minutes. That seemed reasonable. Dead Reckoning was, what, two hours, 45 minutes, give or take? it was overdone. They probably could have cut it down by 20, 30 minutes. So that's first. Number two, the bad guy is just really, it's an AI that can control the entire world. And they have this weird Gabriel figurehead that is working with the AI to take down society. i It was just so out there of a plot for the thing they're trying to stop. It was tough for me to get over because if this controls everything, then how are you guys able to do anything ever? You know, and I guess that's why Luther quote unquote goes underground because he can't, he can't be on the interwebs or use any uh, Wi-Fi. you know what that took me out of it a little bit. And then the flashbacks and the retconning or not even retconning, but trying to explain how Ethan Hunt became the man he is today. And it flashbacks to this Gabriel guy that we don't really know anything about killing somebody 30 years ago. And it's, that's how he got brought into the IMF. That just seems super sloppy and like just trying to get us to emotionally invest with Ethan Hunt against this Gabriel guy. Cause we didn't know anything else about him. Why don't you just build up that character organically? Why does it have to be 30 years ago? He killed somebody that you cared about and now he's back and he's trying to take down the whole world that all those just took it away from me even though i loved the action sequences the action sequences the set pieces get better each film but the overall storyline and i know i'm reading too much into mission impossible storylines but it was just so evident that this one i couldn't get past it
1: I just don't know how dead reckonings a bad villain or bad concept as the bad grouping and flashbacks like this movie took you out so much for those elements when that is clearly Well, it's a guy, guy who's theme. a figurehead
0: for an AI who doesn't exist as a human being. Like it was just so you and have... then they were trying to be like this is the actual what do they call the AI? I can't even remember what it was called. It it's like the all seeing I don't know what the (laughs) hell it was but it was like some ridiculous name and they're at the club and it's like oh all of these things you're seeing that's actually the AI is controlling and learning about you and I was like okay but why do we need Gabriel what is the purpose of Gabriel besides to have somebody with human flesh to go up against you know what I mean just ah, I didn't like the Gabriel character I'm sorry
1: all right, people, I'm going to bring you back to the greatness that is Dead Reckoning um, and try to disavow as much as I can with understanding that these are flawed films. Absolutely. Um, okay. You haven't said her name yet, but we have the introduction of Haley Atwell, um, who is just this master thief and She's is fun. paired with, plays Grace, character Grace, and she has this super fun and honestly energizing dynamic with Ethan Hunt and that as he spends the entire movie, trying to get her like to trust him and get on his side, she's absolutely waiting for the mere millisecond she has to escape him, to try to sell the thing he's trying to get. Like the whole time she's just like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. You're going to get me to survive for the next few scenes. And then I'm booking it. And, this movie celebrates the comedy that is honestly in these films but they never acknowledge they never make fun of these things. Tom Cruise gets to have fun, and I've heard I've heard that this is kind of his Maverick coming out a bit. I don't hate it because when he's funny, when he's allowed to be a little funny and serious, like the Tom Cruise that I was saying kind of distracts me in these films goes away a bit. Because that's how I know him to be. He's been in so many films with that type of personality that that's where I'm kind of locked in on Tom Cruise as this character, as this Ethan Hunt. So Haley Atwell helped me because I was so so upset that they killed Ilsa and they did a fake out at the beginning. And I turned to Kayla, um, who I went with, friend Kayla, the friend of the pod, and I go, "Are you? She is. She did not watch any of these films leading up to this one, which is just." The Kayla way And I was stunned I go, oh my god And then she survived And I'm like oh You phew. really
0: thought She died at the beginning Kayla Absolutely With these movies As- You really thought She died
1: How they treat Women in these films <laughs> Absolutely This Amazing badass character that they kill in five minutes with no real scenes. Absolutely, I believe that this film would do that for her. Especially with we we couldn't possibly have multiple women that are cool, so we have to get rid of the other one to have Grace come into the scene. So yeah, absolutely, I did. And then they do kill her. Granted, they she give had her a
0: sword though. That was that she scene. Had a sword. Was it? It was it Venice they were in on, yes, the, bridge on the bridge fighting bridge. with the sword. That was a sick scene. And, and him awesome. The AI taken over the comms so that he has to. Fi- he he's going the wrong way and he's running through the streets. That was like a ton of fun. I I lo- really like this movie, just clearly not as much as you. So continue.
1: The A of it all, and we'll get to the Gabriel of it all. But the AI, like I found it really funny that. It kind of was guessing what they were going to do, and it wasn't 100% correct, especially towards the end. But I found it so funny when Simon Pegg is trying to answer the questions in the bomb in the airport, and it knows more about him than he thinks. I liked that Gabriel was, you know, at the scene with the bridge, he knew exactly how it was going to play out. Now, it's all calculations, and obviously, there's ways that Ethan Hunt surprises him but i kind of love that element because it it had this feeling of like inevitability especially when you think he's gonna save grace and um ilsa and then you realize when she when she appears on the bridge that she's done like i knew as soon as she appeared i was like run no don't go back don't save grace go
0: i think once she had that tender well quote unquote tender moment because again the chemistry i don't think was quite there when they're standing out like overlooking and like I don't know if they give a hug or he puts his arm around her and it looks like they kind of have a romantic interest and they're looking out over the city. I'm like, okay, yeah. So she's going to die. That's they can't fake out a death and then leave her alive. The whole rest of the movie. Also the name of the AI is the entity again. The oh, the just... entity
1: again. They're, they're And <laughs> they <just> <laughs> naming things. Do you think that he had sex with Elsa? Do you think they had some sort of like relate? I think it him? is important
0: implied. Okay. I think it's implied based on like one day they're like kind of looking at each other like flirting and the next day they're like really close and like waking up having breakfast together or whatever. I think it's implied that they hooked up. I don't know why they're not going to give us a Rebecca Ferguson Tom Cruise sex scene, but
1: again, I it's so weird to me after 2, which as I said is the horniest of the Mission of Boswells. They completely made Ethan just this kind of asexual character where he just Likes to have chemistry or like banter with a woman, but like nothing else. Um, so funny to me that that's the way they went. Is that the Tom Cruise of it all? I don't know.
0: And the absolutely gorgeous Vanessa Kirby, who plays, uh, was it the White Widow, the broker here, yes. who's kind of working with the government. They kind of insinuate like maybe they had a little thing too and they have a couple glances here and there.
1: It's like the implication that Ethan has slept with every woman he's come across, but like also not because we never see it. So again, that dynamic is so funny and weird, bizarre to me. Um, I also, listen, the Gabriel of it all... It, it did make sense to me that his reason why he got in the IMF had to deal with like a dead woman because clearly he has issues with women throughout these. So the fact that like he had this trauma that led to this made total sense of how he interacts with females in these movies. But
0: was that woman that was killed back in the day, like in the flashbacks, was that a girlfriend? Was that somebody that worked with the IMF? Was that an agent? Like,
1: I I I don't understand. I think this was before the IMF and this is where he was given the choice. Like you could be on the run from whatever, whatever event happened here where she died, whether you feel like you killed her or Gabriel did, and you're going to get blamed. They basically came to him and was like, you have a choice. You could like join us and have a mission or be on the run for your life. Kind of like they give um grace's character you know when she realizes gotcha. she can't she's always going to be on the run there's no escaping this is how well, i read grace
0: it. L- i mean let's be real with grace here she like you said i love the banter it was fun to kind of see them like going into the comedy a little bit with the the handcuffed car chase was a lot of fun the motorcycle jump at the end was freaking insane but cool but every time she like gets away from ethan It's like she gets in a much worse situation later and then he saves her and then she immediately runs away and gets into a much worse situation again. You think after the first few times she would learn, you know, maybe I shouldn't try to run away from this guy because every time I do, I get like captured by 10 guys who are pointing guns at me.
1: See, see, I don't think so because I think her whole thing is she's trying to get money to escape right to get this new persona to like do do something else and she realized and that's her focus it's kind of like ilsa's character is about getting out of the british i forget what they're called um mi6 mi6 like her whole thing is trying to get out um and she has to do all these things to be able to get out and live her own life i i find it like she's so fixated if i get this money i i get to have my own i'm done like i'm kind of get to do my own thing and so whatever he's promising is like a whole bunch of shit because he's also always bad things are happening to him. So she's like, I I don't want whatever you got going on. I'm just trying to sell this thing and get out. So I just, I I just love this film. I mean, it definitely has those flaws as you mentioned a couple of them. This Gabriel thing is he's so bizarre to me. It makes no sense. They spent so long with him at the end that I actually did kind of look at my watch. Like how much longer do we have here?
0: Yeah. Oh no, like
1: it was long towards the end, particularly with Gabriel. Now the train scene I thought was kind of reminiscent of Fast and Furious. I really love the like Big cart guy. to cart climb. Like mm-hmm. I thought that was so fun. Um also shout out to um Vanessa Kirby, who plays like the White Widow. Like you said, she's so good at she's funny. Like she's bad and funny and like I like that she got to have more of a role by being the mast, right? Um, Grace gets to be her, but, you know, obviously as the actress, I was like, yeah, let's ha- spend some more time with her. I found it so funny to me. Um, and who was, uh, is it Pom? her name's Palm? Who was like the black, the uh, not black widow, oh, yeah, but she the is, villain. Like She's, she's great in the- it
0: too. I, yeah. I love her in like everything she yeah. She does. She's like a great little side character to pop in. She should get like bigger yeah, she role, plays I
1: Para. Think. She's of course plays the Mantis and Guardians of the Galaxy. I think as soon yep. as I saw her, I go, "Oh, oh my god, that's awesome!" Um, she's great in it. I mean, the fight scenes are terrific. I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. like, why this movie had a lot of badass women in it? Um, did kill one, but I'm like, why we could have both? I want the I want the Henry Cavills. I want the I want all of that. I want a mix because it's more dynamic to me in that way than like Ethan Hunt and the Hackers. You know?
0: Yeah, I think it would have had more of a significance if they killed luther or benji somebody who's been there for like five six movies i know elsa's been there for a few but rebecca ferguson's great don't kill her let's let's kill one of these guys you know it the only reason they kill her is because they're trying to draw parallels to 30 years ago your decisions led to somebody you care about being killed by gabriel and the same thing is happening again what are you gonna do ethan
1: I do love so, your movie theater voice. Should <laughs> if you I just do that voice that. all the time? <laughs> if, you could, if you could introduce us every pod with that voice, that'd be great. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, they needed the high stakes of a of a real death. And this happens in action films all the time. They kill whatever great character that you love because they want some sort of, oh, my God, they did this revenge type feeling for the audience. But I just thought it was such a bummer to lose her, however badass way that she went out. Um that sucked. And then again, the Kittredge of it all, he's there to get the key to this AI that's in this submarine at a location they're trying to figure out. I mean, the key was cool. Um, why? Again, he's making this deal and he's like, pretend I'm not here when he gets caught by the other IMF people. Again, so bizarre that they're just like, okay, we'll just pretend you're not doing a black arms deal on this train. What? And then, and then Ethan trusts that he's going to protect grace. I mean, I feel like he could just as easily be like, kill her. I mean, I, again, it's so yeah. weird to be the Kittredge of it all.
0: Now, I have a, a question for you, as we know there's going to be more films, at least one more film in the Mission Impossible franchise. Two big questions. Number one, do you think that Dead Reckoning Part 2 ends with Ethan Hunt legitimately being killed? That's question number one. Question number two, do you think, They are trying to set that up so that they can transition Haley Atwell's character into the current Ethan Hunt role as kind of the person who is going on these missions. And then they have another generation that they can use where she's the star and leading the team. Any of those uh, on your radar?
1: Interesting proposal. I would be sold, obviously, as you could guess, if that's the way that they went. I don't believe they will, though uh unfortunately i've not known these movies to be particularly progressive so i really find it hard to believe that they're going to transition to Haley atwell being the ethan hunt of it all i just no way they go through that i think it's gonna end in like an ambiguous way where maybe ethan hunts implied that he's died but it's a mission impossible movie so if tom cruise does decide hey i got like five more two more in me or whatever he can be in it um, I, she's not going to be the Jeremy Renner, I guess the, the success of that. So, yeah, I think, I think this is going to be the end, but I think it's going to end in a way that in like three, five years, I could see it happen again somehow, even if he's like the mentor and not necessarily the main guy in it. Cause I mean, he is going to be so in the sixties, mid sixties.
0: That's one of the things I was thinking of kind of Maverick style. Right. But I don't think with the way Tom Cruise and Ethan Hunt, again, pretty much the same person at this point. Are in these films, I have a tough time believing that Tom Cruise is going to be okay with Ethan Hunt just being like the mentor, uh, you know, like John Voight role in the first movie or one of these Alec Baldwin's roles. I feel like he, if he's in these movies, he wants to be the guy, you know, he wants to be the guy running around there doing the stunts. I don't know if he could mentally take watching somebody else perform. Maybe he would just be the stunt man for whoever takes over his role. <laughs> and, then, and then again, you know, he could probably just die on set and be happy with how he lives his life right now, but they cannot keep these movies going with somebody else unless he dies. And right now, the only person that's even close to taking over the mantle, if they want to keep this going would be Haley Atwell. And I agree with you that it seems unlikely, but With how this last movie went, it gave me a little bit of hope.
1: It's just, what do you see for a career for Tom Cruise post this? Like, if this is truly the end, and obviously he's very centered on these action films, or, I guess, resurgence of past films. Where do you see his career going? Like, do you actually see him going back to, I don't want to say true acting, but maybe more heavier stock weight acting? Or do you just see he can't give it up? He's going to be in a a different version of Mission Impossible. Like, that's what he's doing.
0: I don't think he can give it up. I think he just loves doing this thing. He loves making movies and he loves seeing them on the big screen and just pushing the boundaries of the types of stunts and things they can do in film. And I can't even see him. I know he started to take a producer credit and working with, uh, was it Christopher McQuarrie on the last few of these mission impossible movies he has a more hands-on role but i really struggle to think that he could just direct or just produce he needs to be in the action to feel alive
1: i think that's true i think in this lifetime because i believe he'll be here for many of of them um he is he's set in his ways here so i i don't know how far the maverick top gun like i don't know if they have a three in them or what i don't know um but my hope is that he does return to that i mean at some point i don't i'm sure he's using a variety of cybernetic elements to keep him looking youthful but time does wear on us all so i I don't know if he can fight that necessarily you know what i mean as far as like his ability to be believable as he gets up there in age um -hmm. but i guess we'll have to see we'll have to find out so let's get into our final discussion of these films. Where do these rank? Are these high in your action film franchises? Is this up there? Or not They are
0: pretty high up in the action film franchises. I, I think there's kind of a, a hierarchy here of corniness to these types of movies. I think the corniest are the James Bond ones. Those ones are a little difficult for me to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, then I think we have The Mission Impossible. In the middle, and then I think the best version of these types of movies, because again, I like the realism aspect of things a little bit more, are the born Supremacy, born Ultimatum type of movies with Matt Damon. Those three are kind of all in the same realm for me. Of one guy has extraordinary skills, is trying to save the world, you know, blah blah blah. But they just are on a different scale of corniness and insanity. So. What about you, Kayla? I know you have fast and furious probably at the top, even though I would say mission impossible is far superior to the, than the fast and furious to me, fast but and furious
1: realized what mission impossible had to catch up on, which is what we care about most. If you have truly absurd plot points is the people and the family at the heart and the movie franchise realized that from movie one, which I appreciate. Um, you know, I realized actually through this watch that I haven't seen as many action franchises as I feel like I have when I did a review. Like, I've never seen the Terminators. Um, I didn't finish John Wick. Um, I guess I've seen the Takens, you know, so I realized, like, I guess... Somehow I haven't seen a ton of action films. I don't know. So I'm, I'll am i be curious when I do um, spend some time on it, which I'm hoping to do this year and where it ranks. But I mean, these are good films. I'm excited for part two whenever it comes out.
0: So Kayla, what was, before we go to our Swarly of the Week, just quickly, let's run through seven to one, our list of the movies, just so that it's clear and obvious since you've been jumping back and forth. I can go first. OK, so my seventh film was Mission Impossible 2, six Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, five Rogue Nation, four Dead Reckoning Part one, three was Mission Impossible three, number two Fallout. And then my favorite of the Mission Impossible movies is the original Mission Impossible one. What about you, Kayla?
1: All right. So starting at seven, it was Mission Impossible two Then I have Mission Impossible 1, then I have Mission Impossible 3, then I have Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Mission Impossible Fallout, and then my number one is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. That is our Ah, list.
0: Great movies, Kayla.
1: All right, good times. Okay, let's get to our Swarly of the Week. All right, Justin, what is your Swarly?
0: Pretty obvious Swarly of the Week for me this week. Elon Musk has rebranded Twitter as X, just ridiculous. He has driven this thing into the ground, uh, unless he's got some big vision, and maybe he does. He's made billions elsewhere doing crazy things, but it's uh, it's the swirly of the week because it's such a weird move. He's been obsessed with just like X as a brand forever. He owns X.com. He was originally going to call it PayPal X.com, but he got voted out by the other founders because they were like, why don't we call it something that makes sense and doesn't sound like a porno site basically so microsoft and meta both own trademarks for x microsoft actually renewed their trademark july 18th of this year so once elon musk started talking about rebranding it microsoft renewed their trademark to screw him over and the logo they currently have i saw that it's basically just a fancy font you could pay like 20 bucks for or something So that's their new logo. It's just a fancy looking X. Just such a swirly move. And maybe in like five years, we're going to look back on these podcasts when we've been making fun of Twitter and Elon Musk and being like, oh, wow, he turned it into this crazy everything app that he is envisioning. But as of right now, just seems like dropping the ball time and time again
1: you know the elon musk stock is really going down what i feel like in the culture um i think it's bizarre twitter tweeting like those are there's so much marketing there's so much name brand recognition it just is so stupid i see that my logo has changed on my phone it's just so bizarre to me i mean now you don't tweet you post Everyone's still going to be saying tweet and Twitter like it's just is so dumb to me. I think he's just running it to the ground now. I, I'm going to be hanging in unless truly something terrible, you know, happens here and I need to leave. Uh, I'm I'm on this. You wig. said the
0: logo changed on your phone. Yeah, it Taylor? did. Yep. Oh, mine has it. I still have the the bird.
1: Oh, okay. That, so, so when I look it into my grouping, it's the bird. But if I open it, like I'm going to click on it, it turns to I, I just opened
0: me. it up and I still have the bird at the top of my screen.
1: Oh, wow. It's coming for you eventually, yeah. Justin. Uh, on your no. iPhone 2 maybe. Um, what are you
0: going to call it? Hey, I just put out an X. I put out an X on X about X. See, about, I, like, just...
1: I tweet and then I post. And when I say a post, it's Instagram. I don't mean Twitter. So all this yeah. is so dumb. So I really think he regrets his purchase. And now he just kind of wants to burn it to the ground. So we'll see what happens here. Great swirly. My swirly of the week is going to be bad movie etiquette. And as someone that honestly goes to the movies weekly, um, in this past week, I'm going to see four films in the theater in less than a week. And people don't know how to behave in movies anymore. Um, the theaters are now crowded. People, The Barbenheimer is happening. People are in line at the theater. And I love it. I love seeing a movie with a crowd of people. However, people don't know how to act. Um, particularly this video that was trending where there was a fight breaking out in a the theater because a woman let her small child play during the barbie movie play a youtube watch youtube videos on full volume in the theater
0: that is insanity
1: yes and a whole crowd of people started surrounding her after the movie and this woman punched her um truly insane yeah fights breaking on theaters people just have no understanding answering phones um during movies taking photo i mean i saw that in the barbie movie i, I was seeing a lot of people like straight up recording parts of movies on their phone. Like we just forgotten how to behave in public. Um, and I, I drives me insane because I'm so serious about my movie watching that. I feel like I hear every noise, every distraction. Um, and so people welcome back to the movies. we love to have you here, but please, please. You need to watch the movie, put your phones away, put it on silent. Do not, if it is not a movie appropriate for children, don't bring them. Know your kids and just shut up and watch the movie. I know that's so hard to believe, but pretend it's a library. Like I just, it's, I'm seeing it in theaters. Like I'm seeing this bad behavior and it just isn't, it makes it hard to want to go to the movies. So please just stop acting a fool. That's my story.
0: And that's not even taking into account the fact that they only give you the food you order about half the time. That's true. I have, I'm notoriously
1: (laughs) bad luck when I go to the movies. So every other time I do not get what I ordered. So, you know okay friendship question of the week we've been talking a lot about villains in these franchises i i have a early guess. i think we're gonna say we liked the same villain um for these movies but go ahead what the question is what is your favorite villain or villain concept i guess because we have syndicates we have all types of stuff in the mission impossible movies what was your favorite or who
0: i think i made it pretty obvious with when i talked about this but philip steve moore hoffman in mission impossible 3 I thought he was the scariest guy, especially since he was a villain that didn't really rely on any type of physicality. He wasn't like beating the crap out of anybody, but he was just five steps ahead mentally and kind of doing these unique things to uh, to get ahead of the IMF. So he's by far my favorite villain. Of
1: I, I agreed, agreed. He was believable. It was creepy in the elements where he was talking to Ethan Hunt. I absolutely agree. We lost him too soon because there's so many movies he would be crushing still to this day so great villain um all right i think that wraps it up for a mission impossible convo today i hope you guys all see dead reckoning is by Justin putting it at number four solid one for me
0: still very good go see it in theaters <laughs> still
1: very good see it in theaters and act right all right that being said we'll see you next week
0: welcome that's it for this episode of wrong opinions only please follow us on instagram at wrong opinions only and on twitter at wrong where we'll be dropping some clues and hints to upcoming episodes until then jk out